Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me. I am your host, Jeff Harmon. Thank you so much to all of you who have given us a review in iTunes and have spread the word either through social media or however else you're telling photographers about the podcast. The listenership is growing. We have thousands of photographers who listen every week now, and I really, really appreciate it. Love being able to do this podcast, and I want to be able to keep it going. And as long as it keeps it growing and expanding, we'll be able to keep that up. All right, let's jump into the topic this week. It comes from Improved Photography Plus subscriber Paul Pack. And just before I get into the topic discussion, if you haven't checked it out yet, head over to improvedphotographyplus.com. So that's just add a plus on the end. And, uh, and check out the subscription options there. Really fun stuff. Uh, see if it makes sense for you to go and join that, that uh, subscription content and you get first access to a lot of things, a lot of great stuff from the improvedphotography.com website. Go check it out. Okay, so on to the topic. Paul Pack said, I was hoping for a topic on Lightroom workflow within the develop module. I've always found it difficult to decide what order to make corrections in the develop module. Now I understand it does depend on the specific image, but at the same time, I'm sure there's gotta be a general methodical way to follow or at least things to consider. Love the question, and I thought I'd done one on this, but I don't think I did, so we're gonna do one today. And uh, I'm so I'm kind of excited to talk about it. Now, you're right, Paul. It's really up to the photographer on how they want to do this. And it's really kind of different based on the image. Uh, what you're facing, what you want to do with the image is going to vary kind of how you attack it. But the Adobe engineers and the Adobe product managers, as Adobe built Lightroom, and as they put the panels in the order they did, they tried really hard to put it in the order that would make sense in editing the photo. So there's a reason, it's not just randomly placed that you have the basic panel and then the tone curve panel and then HSL color black and white panel and then split toning and on down the list through all the pl- the panels that are in there in Lightroom in the develop module. It's, it's there in that order on purpose because that's how they think the workflow will most of the time go best. It doesn't mean you have to, and there's no restriction on, oh, I have to start in basic because that's the first panel, and I can't go do anything else until I am done with what's in basic. Absolutely not. It is there for you to use in whatever order you like and whatever makes sense to you. And I think you kind of develop a sense for how you want to go about things as you get more experience in Lightroom, as you get more experience using the develop module and all the sliders, and as you look at your image, and you know what you're driving towards, you kind of know where you want to attack. So I do find myself roughly following the order of the panels in Lightroom most of the time. I certainly start in basic. It's the first place I want to go because I want to deal with my highlights and shadows first. I want to deal with kind of the dynamic range of the shot, get it to look kind of what I want there first. Also dealing with white balance and dealing with clarity and (laughs) vibrance, all of those things are there, and, and I kind of want to deal with them right up front, right at first to see what it's going to look like there, and then decide if I need to go in any of the other panels in order to achieve kind of the, the impact of what I was envisioning when I took the shot. So 
I, I do start there. And, and even within the panel, it's also sort of designed, the sliders are in a specific order too. So not only are the panels in an order where they think it makes the most sense the majority of the time, but the sliders are kind of in order. So Adobe thinks you should start on the basic panel and you should start first with white balance. And then you should worry about exposure and contrast. And I'm just reading through this, the list of sliders that are as they're presented within Lightroom. But you don't have to, of course. It's not locked into anything. It's fully flexible. You can do whatever you want within the develop module, however it makes sense to do your photos. All right, so some thoughts and, and ways that I might do it differently. One thing that I might do right up front before going to the basic panel is if I'm shooting super wide and I'm worried that I may have a lot of uh, distortion happening. Something where the edges don't look normal anymore, maybe away from center doesn't look normal anymore. It looks like it's distorted, like it looks a little funny. And I might want to go try to correct that right off the top because that would bug me looking at that for a long time. So for that, you head down to the lens corrections panel. And, and I do start there frequently, although really a lot of the times when I'm doing imports of my photos, I already have enable profile correction on and remove chromatic aberration on because it's in my preset. Uh, it doesn't always guess right on my lenses though. It really bugs me actually that I have this Tamron lens and it always thinks it's a Sigma. I don't think it's really different, but I I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a, a perfectionist and <laughs> I, it really bothers me when it says it's a Sigma. I change it to Tamron and I, I can't really notice a whole lot of change in the photo um, related to which profile correction profile should be used. But uh, anyway, that's, <laughs> that's one of the things I jump to first. I may go down to lens corrections, especially if I've shot a really wide shot and I really, I want to try to, to fix distortion. And so in the lens correction panel, you have some sub tabs there. You have basic, you have profile where you can pick which specific camera it is. Color, I don't ever really use color. I used to a lot more, especially when I had kit lenses or cheaper lenses I was using, then I'd have to go in and try to deal with chromatic aberration a lot more. I'd have to deal with trying to defringe the photo without making the skin also go gray. And so I, I had to spend more time in that. Since I've got better glass, I haven't needed to. And, and then manual. I do, on those wide shots, I will also go into manual, especially if it's a landscape. Then I, I will um, manually fix some distortion, maybe some rotation. I'll try to make it so that it, I kind of have the composition down just how I want it in that lens correction panel before I get started on any of the rest. And it's just how I view it. I really, I like being able to have that kind of done so that it's not bothering me as I'm doing the rest of my, my work on the photo. All right, so there, there is that. And honestly, I probably, uh, the one thing I will leave alone in lens correction until the end, which is probably one of the reasons it, the panel is down so close to the bottom, um, I will try to, to deal with, with lens vignetting um, one way or the other and try to correct that. And then I, I will absolutely, towards the end, I almost always add a little bit of vignette to, um, to the, the photo, some post-crop vignetting in the effects panel. But that's kind of jumping ahead of things. All right, so I may, I may hit lens correction first. The other one that I often hit first before basic would be if, I ha if I've taken a shot that has a lot of noise in it. If I took something that was... Uh, a galaxy shot or a nighttime shot and it has a lot of noise 
then I, I'm going to go deal with the noise like right up front. I, again, I don't like staring at it the whole time. It just will bug me as I'm looking through the photo. I won't be able to focus on doing anything else in the photo until I have that cleaned up because that's what I'll just keep noticing. Like, I hate that noise. I hate that noise. I hate that noise. And so I'll go fix it, um, make it go kind of how I want it in the detail panel. I'll do the sharpening and noise reduction and color noise reduction and, uh, and take care of that if it's something that's really obvious and noisy. If it's a, a daytime shot, um, I will eventually hit that, um, probably in the order of the panel. So after I've gone through basic and tone curve and HSL, then, then I will hit the detail and I do adjust sharpening. I know I've heard Jim and Nick and some others in, in the Improved Photography Network say they actually probably even skip the detail panel. They don't really go in there. They're not sharpening things up. But uh, maybe it's out of habit. I'm not even sure I can really tell a whole lot about the after effects. But I have kind of some go-to settings that I use on the in the detail panel for doing sharpening. Especially doing the masking at least. Even if I only leave the sharpening at, I think the default's 25. Um, I will, I make sure to go and adjust the masking, um, on portraits in particular, that that's something that's really important to me so that I, I, I make it look as good as it can. All right. So, so those are a couple of things where I may go out of order, but other than that, I do tend to follow the order starting in basic, even following the order of the sliders. One of the things in the basic panel I wanted to note was that clarity, if you use that one, that will tend to impact how much of the highlight shadows, whites and blacks. If you've made adjustments there, you got to kind of watch what's happening in the histogram at the top and see what's being clipped and so on. Because you may, as you're using the sliders in the basic panel, uh, you may have decided a setting on highlight shadows, whites and blacks in that section of the basic panel. And if you ch touch the clarity, now you may want to go and reevaluate how you want to set those things. It, it's not a huge change, but it might be. Uh, contrast is another one that seems to get impacted by that. If you did anything with contrast and then you go play with clarity, you may want to make sure you at least go back and reconsider contrast and make sure that you like how it is. Or if you don't like what happened when you changed the clarity, one of the things to try would be to play around with contrast again and see if maybe you like it better one way or the other. You'll get more used to those as you get a lot of experience. I don't even really find myself thinking specifically about the sliders as I'm doing them. Uh, it's it's kind of become more of a native thing as I've used Lightroom for many years now, of being come come up of becoming comfortable. Easy for me to say, becoming very comfortable with the sliders. And based on what I'm seeing on the image, I automatically go to sliders to change things, um, not just thinking through it or or not taking a systematic approach. I've become comfortable in understanding what the sliders do enough that I know what I'm going to next. And if I'm down in another panel and I've changed something I'm like, oh, actually, I think I want to go look at a different slider again, or I want to change this thing about the photo, I know exactly where to go inside of the panels in order to change the thing I'm looking at, which, by the way, slightly off topic, but that's really kind of why it is I don't feel comfortable in using a lot of other software programs. I've been beat up a little bit in the Facebook groups because I'm such a Lightroom fanboy, <laughs> uh, which is not actually true because there's lots of things I don't like about Lightroom. It's slowness is one of them. It's really a shame. I sure hope Adobe can get on it and really make it so that Lightroom can get faster. But the, the reason I find it so challenging to work with anything else is I have invested 
so many hours and so much time in understanding Lightroom and becoming truly proficient in Lightroom that when I get in another tool, I just feel like I'm slogging around and I have no idea what I'm doing and I can't get the effect I want. And I, I know if I spent the same amount of time, if I spent the next three or four years in another software package, whatever it might be, I could get to the same levels. I'm confident that's true. And there might even be things I'd like better in those other things. But I just, I have a limited amount of time I can spend on editing my photos. I'm a hobbyist photographer. I am not doing this professionally. It's not something where I can say I'm going to dedicate um, a few hours every morning to learning a new a new piece of software and, and improve or, or make a decision about whether I want to use it. It's like I have... Uh, I have the next hour and a half to edit this session, get it done, and then I got to go to soccer games or <laughs> whatever it might be. I have other stuff going on in my life, and, and that's how I want to keep it. And so I'm choosing to just stick, kind of stick with Lightroom because it's a tool I've really come to know. I've come to know everything about it. Uh, I, I've used every feature there is in it. It's taken a long time to get there. And if you're just starting, don't get discouraged. Um, I'm not saying you have to pick Lightroom if you're just starting. But I found it to be very, very effective, even in spite of some of the negatives that there are with the software. I found it to be super helpful to just stick with it, stay at it. There's so much free help out there with Lightroom. We talk about it a ton on the podcast. It's uh, used so much by so many photographers. that if, if you're finding you're struggling with it, just stay with it is what I'm going to uh, suggest you do. Now, not to say you can't use something else and become equally proficient and get very, very good results because you can. There are other p packages out there. Other software vendors have things that can do a very good job with it. But I personally found Lightroom to be kind of the sweet spot for my situation as a hobbyist photographer who is uh, trying to maximize every hour and every dollar I can in the hobby that I love, that I really, really love doing. All right, so a couple of other things. Um, panels that I kind of ignore. That was one of the topics I wanted to make sure I covered because I don't truly go into every panel with every photo. I mentioned before that Jim and Nick said that they frequently just kind of skip the detail panel. They don't do anything in there. There's not enough noise for them to be worried about and they're not worried about extra sharpening. They're, they just kind of skip that panel frequently. They may go in there sometimes. I kind of do the same thing with tone curve. I don't go in there a whole lot. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what that thing did and how do I use it. I've watched lots of videos on it. I feel like I know how to use it. And there are some photos, especially when I'm trying to really get dynamic range nailed. If I have a landscape that has a huge amount of dynamic range, oh yeah, tone panel comes into play. And I'm in there and I'm tweaking things and making it so that I can get as much out of my raw file as I can with regard to dynamic range. But I skip it a lot, especially on something like a portrait, If uh, especially if I used flash. If I used flash on a portrait, boy, it comes out of camera almost perfectly ready to go. And it took a while to get there. That wasn't easy to learn either. And so I was having to go into a lot more of these panels and spend a lot of time correcting things because I didn't get it right in camera enough. And I was compensating for it by doing the post-processing. It's totally possible. You can make a lot of photos that you miss pretty badly on for everything except focus and sharpness. 
Um, you can miss on a lot of things and still come out with really nice shots after you do a post-processing, whether it's Lightroom, Photoshop, or other tools that you use, you can really compensate for it, but it takes forever. It takes a long, long time to get there. And if, the more you can get right in camera, the more you can add flash and make that good, the better it's gonna be and the less time you have to spend in post-processing. So it depends a lot on how well I did doing the shot, getting it out of camera, about which panels I go into when I'm doing my post-processing. And the tone curve is one of those I frequently kind of skip over. I frequently don't actually find myself doing anything with. And the tone curve, um, it can more, be more optional because really part of what you set in the basic panel sort of impacts the tone curve frequently. And you can do a lot, it, it's like there's, it's similar types of results that you can get between the two panels. It's just a different way of getting there. That's how I kind of view it. So there's a lot of reason to kind of skip over that um, in a lot of cases. I do go and change it on landscape sometimes. Now the, the next panel down, HSL color and black and white. I personally don't have an eye for black and white. <laughs> I haven't developed that yet. When I look at a photo, I don't look at anyone that I've taken and say, oh, that one should be black and white. I never do. I always think it looks better in color. And I've played around with it a lot. I've played around with it as I'm doing my photos and I think, well, I'm gonna go try it. I'm gonna see what it looks like in black and white. And I, I hit black and white and I go, yeah, I, I like color better. I just like it better. So I know I haven't developed an eye for that. I probably still need to work on it because I am confident there are situations I've got where a black and white probably would be better. And I just, because I haven't developed my eye for it, I'm missing it. But that's a panel I never use. I never go into black and white because I don't personally like it better in black and white any of my shots there. Um, but HSL is a panel I have gone into a lot more as I've become more advanced in my use of Lightroom. That was one I skipped a lot as a beginner, mainly because I just didn't understand how to use it. I didn't see how I would care about the saturation and luminance and hue of the colors in the picture different from how I was dealing with it in the basic panel because you have some color control in the basic panel as well. You have the sliders in there for vibrance um, and saturation, you have those sliders. So why do I care about like more fine grained control than that on the colors? But as I've developed more expertise in Lightroom, I'm finding a lot more use in HSL as I, with photos as I go over things. Uh, landscapes in particular, again, maybe because I do a lot of landscapes and, and less portraiture but a lot in landscapes uh, in order to bring out the colors of the sky, of the sunset, of the sunrise and the clouds, and, and in order to make it get to where I wanted it, or whether it's uh, ultra real, <laughs> meaning more vibrant, more color than was what I saw with my eyes, or whether I'm just trying to reproduce what I saw, because it tends to be very drab, especially from raw files, with regard to the colors, if you don't go in and boost some of it and, and get some of that back in, it doesn't look like what you remember. So I play around with the uh, saturation and luminance more than hue. I don't really touch the hue a lot usually, but occasionally I will want to drag a color from one to another. Um, Nick Page had a wonderful tip a little while ago on a podcast episode in 
uh, portrait sessions podcast where he talked about if you want to get rid of the redness in your cheeks and nose and cold pictures, you can go inside of the hue and drag kind of the orange more over to the, the pink side and, and use the hue sliders to try to get rid of that, make it look very natural and, and not have a problem. The other common reason I'm in HSL, Canon sensors are notorious for oversaturating the reds. And so frequently, if there's a lot of red in the scene, if that's a red rose, for example, I definitely have to go knock down the saturation on red in the HSL panel. So I know to do that. I know that's a weakness in the Canon sensors, and I know I have to go recover that, and that's that's the thing. Uh, I do it often with the clouds, or sorry, with sky, with blue, in, in increasing the saturation and decreasing the luminance to try to bring that blue of the sky back in. Uh, clouds, there's purples that I play with. It's been a really cool place to spend some time and get some expertise. It's not the same on every photo by any stretch, what the slider should be. I can't give you solid rules on exactly what you should do other than maybe kind of compensating for flaws in the Canon cameras like I did. But spending some time in there, if you don't know how to use or you've never used HSL, yeah, go check that out. Include that in your workflow, especially for landscapes. But even in portraiture, I think you can find uh, uh, some good reason to do that, especially if you're shooting natural light and you're not doing flash. Flash really kind of helps if you know how to do flash well. It helps to make the colors a lot more balanced in backgrounds on portraits. Um, but if you're so if you're using natural light, in order to get the person exposed correctly, you're kind of having to give up some of the background usually. And playing with the saturation and vibrance can really kind of help with that. All right, next panel that I kind of skip a lot. I'm just looking at them in Lightroom as I'm doing the recording here. And split toning is one I never use, <laughs> like ever. I've tried it occasionally. Um, sometimes I've had a vision where I want to have a photo that has some like faux colors in there, take some colors. I don't want to make it black and white, but I want to emphasize some other colors. And I, I will go use some split toning and try to make that go. Uh, sometimes I have also tried it when I kind of have a, a color cast sort of problem, whether it came from a filter or a reflection of light off of something, I, I may try to address it with split toning and uh, change kind of what the highlights are or the shadows are with that, but I mostly skip split toning. I don't use that a lot, and that's probably something I need to do better with. I, as I'm talking through this, I'm, I'm realizing there's some time I probably should spend on understanding it. I have spent time with split toning, just not enough that I actually think of it as a control I want to use to accomplish something. All right, detail we talked about, and I def I go in here almost every everyone. Lens correction too. I usually go and, and turn on the enable profile corrections, and I pick the right profile for the lens I was using. Sometimes it does something I don't like when I do that, and I'll just turn it back off and then go into the manual um, part of that lens correction panel. Effects, I do go there last. Almost every time I am applying a vignette, I just like how that draws the eye in. It doesn't usually need to be very strong. It can be just a tiny bit of vignetting, but I usually do some uh, on the amount. I use highlight priority, and I do an amount down, a negative amount on the vignetting, kind of bring some darkness to the edges. Uh, depends on the photo, though. Landscapes, maybe not as much most of the time. Portraits, a little bit more, just to draw focus in. And then, of course, there's the awesome dehaze control and slider there. If you have um, 2016 CC or 2015 CC, 
of uh, Lightroom. There's the dehaze slider in there. And uh, that one can be really, really good, especially for dark scenes to be able to help with that. Uh, camera calibration is the last panel down there. And it's really something I've never used. Um, I don't change the process. I don't change the camera profile much there. Uh, I don't. I certainly don't use the different tint sliders that are there. I really kind of leave the camera calibration alone. Um, so that's that's how I use the panels. I mostly start in basic. I may jump to detail or lens correction out of order, but I do. I usually start with basic, then go to HSL, then go to detail, and then go to lens corrections and effects. And I do. I kind of follow the way it's been set out in. Lightroom by the Adobe engineers. It seems they knew something as they, as they built the workflow, as they built the tool. What would be interesting to me is if you could actually move the panels around. That would be uh, interesting to see if photographers found that they were using another one more than another to do that. You can hide panels, but you can't really change the order of them, at least as, as far as I'm aware. I, I've never seen any way to do that. And uh, and so that's that's... It would be interesting, I think, if people had developed different workflows where they just always wanted some panel higher up in the list. I don't know if it's a really needed thing. It's, it's easy enough just to switch between them. The one other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, it was a tip long time back in Photo Taco, and I just thought I'd recommend it one more time here. Something that I think can save you a lot of time. It, I don't know why it's not on by default. It seems to me like it should be because I think it can save you time. While we're talking about the develop module, there's something else you should make sure you enable. And that's by right-clicking on any of the panel headers and then saying solo mode. There's a little, little box down there in that menu that's solo mode. What this does is it makes it so that only one panel will be open at a time. If you don't do that, you can, of course, manually open and close these panels. You can, you can click on the arrows to expand and contract them. They have little arrows to the right of the panel header. And if you click on it, it expands. And if you click on it again, it contracts it, or even just the header itself. But um, so I, I had, you know, by default, what Adobe has is you can have panels open and closed however you want. And um, you can even open them all, but then you have to scroll. Like it won't fit even on a really high resolution monitor. Not all of those panels will fit when they're stacked up on top of each other and you have them all open up. So I prefer, and I recommend you try it out, right-clicking on any of those and then enabling solo mode. And what it'll do is when you expand a panel, the other panel will contract. So you can still get two. No, you can't. I was just trying it. I thought you still could get two open at once if you wanted, but you can't. It just opens one at a time. Now, if that completely messes up your workflow, if you actually use two panels at once, great. You know, leave it not in solo mode. But I found it to be really a, a time saving. So I have to scroll around. I mentioned how I, I kind of do jump between the panels based on what it is I'm trying to accomplish in my photo edit. And when I see something in the photo I want to change, it may mean I have to jump from whatever panel I'm in to a different panel to go get to that control. And if I have to scroll around, that uh, takes valuable seconds away from the photo editing. So I, I like it better just to be able to click on the header and bloop, it changes which one's expanded and which one's opened up. And I very much prefer solo mode when I'm in develop module. So try it out. If you haven't used that, try, give that a try. See if you like it. If you really are struggling with the develop module and understanding what to do, Again, just stick with it. Don't give up. Keep going on it. 
uh, find some help. There's lots of online free help. There's lots of online paid help. We have some courses at improvephotography.com that help. There's some free videos on things. Um, there's lots of ways to learn this. Don't give up. Just keep going. <laughs> learn how to use the sliders because there's some very, very powerful things you can do inside of Lightroom. A lot of the photo editing can be accomplished there without going into Photoshop. So it's a really good thing to learn. All right, so I hope that answers your question, Paul. I've droned on and on about the develop module long enough. I think that's time to wrap up the episode for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. want to remind you to check out the other podcasts in the Improved Photography Network. Portrait Sessions is awesome. I learn a lot from that every week. I'm uh, a constant listener. And also the Improved Photography Podcast itself. We have a, a fun time on that. Um, check it out. If you haven't checked, uh, subscribed to that one, then go check it out. Also, make sure to go visit improvephotography.com, the website itself. It's a mothership. None of this would be possible without improvephotography.com, none of our other podcasts. And make sure you go check it out. We've got lots of content. There's new, fresh stuff coming out every single day from improvephotography.com. You should make sure you add that to kind of your daily workflow <laughs> in everything that you do. All right, that's about it. We're going to wrap it up, and uh, we'll see you in another seven days. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of Improved Photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!